the business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi. And uh, I got my blackjack gum here. And I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Don't shake hands. Brothers got a bug. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? up everybody that is right it is saturday night which means it is hollywood hangout and i am david richardson it's good to see everybody out there appreciate it very much anybody listening to this turn my mic down a little bit i feel like i'm uh over modulating a little bit hope i'm not um but anyway uh i uh i fucked up wednesday night i said i was going to do boomerang i forgot i had a fishing tournament with my kid for his scouts today i left the house at 7 15 this morning i just got back about 7 7 15 so i wouldn't have had time i know i could have done it last night but i had something to do last night also with my kids um so what i wanted to still do a show tonight so what i did is uh I did best scenes. I didn't stick myself to movie. I didn't stick myself to TV. I got a little of both. I got some television from the 80s or television from the 90s. From the, I got uh, movies from the 90s. I got movies from the 80s. I got movies from the 2000s. I got everything in here. I just threw in a bunch of uh, about 10 or 11 clips that I'm going to go ahead and play some movie scenes, greatest movie scenes, best movie scenes, greatest movie scenes. I am going to do that. But... Um, like I said, I completely forgot. My wife reminded me about uh, 9.30 last night. We were coming home, and she's like, hey, by the way. I'm like, 
I forgot, but um, the fishing tournament was cool. They released uh, they released trout into a little pond, and then basically you sit there, and it was a trout derby. You try to catch the biggest. They have a casting contest, all kinds of stuff. But um, I'm not even going to do this show on YouTube. Uh, not worth it um, since I'm just going to play some clips, and I don't want to get bounced off of YouTube while I'm playing clips. So I'm just going to leave it like this on Mixler tonight. Uh, once again, I just had no time to prep, and I really apologize. I will do Boomerang next week, but uh, I just couldn't get to it this week. But I think we've got some really, really good uh, movie scenes and TV scenes coming up here. Um, like I said, I've got thing. Of course, I threw an NYPD blue one in there. You know I did. Don't even ask. I don't know why you would even think think to ask. <clears throat> I sure did. So what I'm uh, going to go ahead and do is I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. Um, like I said, I've been gone all day today. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into this. Um, like I said, but I do think we got some good things here. Like I said, the first movie I'm going to start with is American Psycho. Um, from 2000. Good, good movie. Always like this movie. A little, you know, kind of a crime movie, a drama movie, a horror movie. It, you can give it all three. But uh, we got Christian Bale, made pretty much the main character in this movie. Reese Witherspoon is in the movie with him. Uh, Bill Sage is in this movie. Justin Theroux. Josh Lucas. Uh, Samantha Mathis, who we've talked about, who we talked about Samantha Mathis in Pump Up the Jam. She was in that movie with Christian Slater. And uh, if you've ever seen Broken Arrow, she was in that movie with Christian Slater and John Travolta. So there you go. We've definitely talked about her once or twice. But Christian Bale is the uh, character in this movie. And, you know, basically, I'm sure people have seen this by now. It's, you know, this rich guy in New York investment banking. And uh, basically, he's got this alter ego, and um, he kind of just has these weirdest tendencies, and he thinks weird thoughts. But uh, this scene is the scene where they're talking about the business cards. Now, I hope everyone remembers this scene. Business cards were very big to these guys. They were very into their business cards. So I'm going to go ahead right now i'm going to move this over here i'm going to get this right there so we can see everything i know you guys can't see but um we can go ahead and get this going right now let me go ahead and start this first clip. patrick thanks so much for looking after courtney dorcia how impressive how on earth did you get a reservation there lucky i guess that's a wonderful suit don't tell me don't tell me let me guess mm, valentino couture uh-huh you look so soft. Your compliment was sufficient, Lewis. Hello, Halber Stram. Nice tie. How the hell are you? Alan has mistaken me for this dickhead, Marcus Halberstram. It seems logical because Marcus also works at PNP and, in fact, does the same exact thing I do. He also has a pension for Valentino's suits and Oliver Peoples' glasses. Marcus and I even go to the same barber, although I have a slightly better haircut. So how's the ransom account going, Marcus? It's, uh, it's all right. Really? That's interesting. It's not, uh, it's not great. Oh, well, you know. So how's Cecilia? She's a great girl. Oh, yeah. I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. Hey, Alan. Congratulations on the Fisher account. Thank you, Baxter. Listen, Paul, squash. Call me. <laughs> 
hands him a business card. And here it's we like go. Friday. No can do. I got an 830 res at Dorcia. Great. Sea urchin ceviche. Dorcia on Friday night. How do you swing that? I think he's lying. Is that a gram? Another business New card. card. New card. What do you think? Whoa. Very nice. Look at that. Picked them up from the printers yesterday. Good coloring. That's bone. And the lettering is something called Cillian Rail. It's very cool, Bateman, but that's nothing. Look at this. That is really nice. Eggshell with Romalian type. What do you think? Nice. Jesus. <laughs> that is really super. How do nitwit like you get so tasteful? <laughs> I can't believe that Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. But wait. You ain't seen nothing. Raised lettering, pale nimbus, white. Impressive. Very nice. Mm. Let's see Paul Allen's card. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. The tasteful thickness of it. Oh my God, it even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. Okay. So what's kind of funny about that scene is that's kind of how people are in certain businesses. That's not that's kind of not a lie right there. People do love their business cards. Matter of fact, uh, I, I was kind of the same way. I really do did like We had a business card at one point. We had a company called Platinum Packaging. And the business card literally looked exactly like an American Express to where we actually got a cease and desist for the border we had around it. So we decided to obviously change that up. And um, business cards are a big thing, though, because you really want you, what you don't want is people throwing them away. And people throw business cards away. I mean, almost every time they get one, most people just dump them in the trash. So it's pretty cool, though. Uh, the business card thing, but that Americans, uh, it's a really good movie, American Psycho. Um, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure most people have seen that, that one by now, but I'm going to get into some other really, really incredible movies and television shows, but um wanted to start with that one right there. Just uh, like I said, a really good scene and, you know, you got all these guys there and he he's just trying to hold himself together. And uh, I just thought it always was a really Good scene, so... All right, let's knock that one out of here. And, uh, all right. So, I don't know how many times we've talked about John Hughes movies on this uh, on this podcast here. Many times. Many times we have, and um, I love most of them. You know, I mean, so many John Hughes movies I can even think of. You got... People don't even know. Mr. Mom is a John Hughes movie. Uh, Uncle Buck... We've got The Breakfast Club. We've got 16 Candles. We've got all those movies right there. So I did go with the scene from The Breakfast Club. Um, it's the scene where we get... Give me one second here. I just need to open up something real fast. There we go. It's with um, Paul Gleason, who, I mean, come on. He basically, he, he was kind of the same character 
in every movie he was in. Paul Gleason, if you remember him, he was the principal in this movie. And Judd Nelson, of course, this is the movie right here. This is uh, Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, Anthony Michael Hall, kind of known as the Brat Pack back then. And um, their movies, any movie they touched back in the 80s was gold. Um, so, you know, this was a 1985 movie, The Breakfast Club. Like I said, excellent movie. Just, I mean, I don't need to tell everyone what it's about. It's just kind of they're in detention, they're in high school, and you've got every personality in there. So what I did, though, is I took the scene where it's uh, Paul Gleason and Judd Nelson, and he's talking shit pretty much the whole time to uh, to the principal. And, um, you know, they're, he just keeps getting detentions over and over and over and uh, that's the scene I went with. This is one of the longer scenes. I've got a couple long scenes in here. But uh, let's go ahead and knock this bad boy out. Andrew Clark. Get up here. Come on, front and center. Let's go. Hey, how come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. Okay, watch, watch the magazines. It's out of my hands. That's very clever, sir. But what if there's a fire? I think violating fire codes and endangering the lives of children would be unwise at this juncture in your career, sir. All right, what are you doing with this? What are you doing with it? Get this out of here, for God's sake. What's the matter with you? Come on! Well, you know, the school comes equipped with fire exits at either end of the library. Show Dick some respect. Let's go. Go. Get back in your seat. I expected a little more from a varsity letterman. You're not fooling anybody, Bender. The next screw that falls out is going to be you. Eat my shorts. What was that? Eat my shorts. You just bought yourself another Saturday, mister. Oh, crushed. You just bought one more right there. Well, I'm free the Saturday after that. Beyond that, I'm going to have to check my calendar. Good, because it's going to be filled. We'll keep going. You want another one? Say the word. Just say the word. Instead of going to prison, you'll come here. Are you through? No. I'm doing society a favor. So? That's another one right now. I've got you for the rest of your natural-born life if you don't watch your step. You want another one? Yes. You got it. You got another one right there. That's another one, pal. Cut it out. You through? Not even close, bud. Good. You got one more right there. You really think I give a shit? Another. You through? How many is that? That's seven, including the one when we first came in. You asked Mr. Vernon here whether Barry Mandelon knew that he raided his closet. Now it's eight. You stay out of it. Excuse me, sir, it's seven. Shut up, Pee-wee. <laughs> You're mine, Bender. For two months, I got you. I got you. What can I say? I'm thrilled. Oh, I'm sure that's exactly what you want these people to believe. You know something, Bender? You want to spend a little more time trying to do something with yourself and a little less time trying to impress people. You might be better off. All right, that's it. I'm going to be right outside those doors. 
The next time I have to come in here, I'm cracking skulls. All right. There you go. Great scene from a really great actor in Paul Gleason and Judd Nelson. We've, I mean, Judd Nelson was one of the early shows that actually uh, me and Anthony focused on Judd Nelson for a complete show, and it was definitely worth it. And um, if you're wondering, yes, in the 1980s, Eat My Shorts was a really big insult. Uh, <laughs> I know now it's like, you're just telling him to eat his underwear. It's not that bad. No. Back then, man, that was bad. That was bad. Just got to, uh, can't be doing that. Can't be doing that. So, um, let me drop this down a little bit more. There we go. That's probably better. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen the Breakfast Club movie, like I said, with all those actors in it, I don't know where you've been. You need to go see this movie. Um, but just a great movie from 1985. And like I said, I sprinkled in a lot of different things. Um, matter of fact, we have a TV show coming up in just a second that I'm going to uh, be talking about. But um, I always thought that's, that that scene right there was one of the greatest scenes you've got. Not that they like butted the relationship right there, but you could tell she kind of liked him because she was like, stop. You know, <laughs> she, you know, you get uh, Molly Ringwald there who I still don't know why everybody was after her. I mean, she's pretty, but you know, wasn't like drop dead gorgeous or anything, you know. I, you know, I don't know. But anyway, we all can uh, we can talk about that another day, I guess. But um, yeah, this is just a great John Hughes movie, directed and written by John Hughes. Um, incredible, incredible movie. So definitely, if you haven't seen this, get your ass out and see it. But uh, here we go. Like I said, we're going to get into a TV show and. I'm sorry, folks. I'm still not feeling great. I'm not sure if it's my allergies, my sinuses, or what, but I apologize for the... You're probably hearing me sniffing and maybe even breathe a little hard here. I apologize for that. <clears throat> so, but anyway, I'm going to go to another one here in, in uh, just a second. This is a television show that actually I've been watching, and I've watched it a few times. Uh, we are going to be talking about Flashpoint. This uh, was a show that started in, I'll tell you what, give me one sec, and I will actually tell you, I forget when this show started. It went from 2008 to 2012, and it was about a, it was a SWAT team in Canada that did basically, they were more than a SWAT team, though, because they were also trained, it was kind of like Criminal Minds meets SWAT, because they were trained in that, um, you know, the psychological backgrounds and all that stuff. So they were, you know, that that's just something they specialized in. So they were more than just a SWAT team. Uh, but there was some really good acting by some of the people in uh, in these episodes. Now, these episodes star uh, Enrico Colantoni, who is, he's been in a ton of stuff. You probably know who he is. Um, it has a gentleman named Hugh Dillon who is a pretty much Canadian actor, but he's in a lot of things. Amy Jo Johnson, who, if you know, she was the Pink Ranger, and she's a singer. She's done a lot of stuff. And this episode here has an, a gentleman named Ron Leah in it, L-E-A. Now, Ron Leah's been in a bunch of stuff, too. Um, not a ton of stuff, but he's done a good amount of stuff. Um, you know, he was in The Recruit. Uh, with uh, Al Pacino and Colin Farrell. He was in one of the Saw movies. He was in Saw 4. 
Um, he's doing something right now called Painkiller, a TV miniseries that's in post-production, so you'll probably hear about that coming up soon. But uh, he was in Fortunate Son. That was a couple of years ago. He did. There was a CIA director. Been in a ton of stuff, this guy. But um, this was a scene where he was kind of breaking down. He had... He, he had a case way back in the day that went bad on him. Uh, he had told a kid to, uh, a little kid, to be brave for his sisters uh, after a criminal act had happened, a uh, uh, home invasion, and they ended up coming back, and he tried to be brave, and the kid got killed, and he felt bad for it, so he was trying to right the wrong, but he had locked himself in the what they call the barn or the headquarters of the SRU, the Strategic Response Unit, which is what this show is all about. And like I said, he's completely drunk here in this scene, Ron Leah. And it's basically the main two voices you're going to hear are Ron Leah and Hugh Dillon. So, but then Hugh Dillon, he's got a few albums out and everything. He's a singer. He was part of a punk band back in the day. Uh, big, big band in Canada, I guess. Um, but this is the scene... Um, from the episode, uh, it aired on January 23rd, 2009. It was called Haunting the Barn. And um, basically, this is where you start. I mean, this is a pretty powerful scene here from this show, and it was one that I definitely wanted to get and play. So just give me one second here. I need to load it up, and I need to pause because it's a demo. But here we go. Let me do this. Okay. Here we go, guys. I told you not to come in! Close the damn door! I'm not gonna be able to do that, Dan. One step closer, we're done. Okay. Let the subject set the pace. Don't rush a negotiation, because I'm not finished here. And I'm oh, by the way, the man has a gun. He's got a gun to his head, on his knees. And you'll hear, he wants someone to kill him. I don't think he wants to kill himself, but he does want someone to kill him, so you can definitely hear that here. I'm gonna get this thing right. Okay, Eddie? Back off. Danny? Michelle's here. Jenny. Wife. Michelle? What are you doing? You can't be here. Get out of here. You shouldn't be here. I'm not going anywhere, Daniel. Get her out of here. I'm not going don't make me do this in front of her! Danny, just listen to me now. Get her out. Get her out of here! Danny, put that gun down. <laughs> I spent my whole career screwing up. Being too late. Being t too early. Not saying the right words. I spent my whole career looking at the worst 20 minutes of other people's lives and I can't take it anymore. Danny, how about remembering the good stuff? The good stuff, all the lives you saved, all the people whose lives were made better, the lives were made longer because you were there for those 20 minutes. I can't remember, you see? I can't remember, I can't remember! All I see are the ghosts. All I got are the ghosts. The ghosts. I can't take it anymore. Let's go! Points the gun at Hugh Dillon or Ed in this show. Please. Please help me. Pull the plug. Pull the plug. Okay, wait. No! Unloaded his gun, puts it on okay. the ground. 
You're not the only one who sees ghosts, Dan. I gotta tell you, I don't want to put them anymore either. Daddy, please, no. You taught me everything I know. You can't tell me that this is how it is. You can't. God. All right, so there you go. Um, And by the way, if that scene sounds interesting, like a show you might like or want to watch, you can check that out on Hulu. It is on Hulu. All five seasons are on Hulu. It's a quick show because most of the uh, seasons are only like nine, ten episodes. I think one's 13. I think one of the seasons is 20-some episodes, I believe. Um, But uh, it's a really great show, and there's some really good scenes, but that right there... um, was one of the really good ones. I believe it's season two, episode three. Uh, it's just a. Re- it was just a, a a really powerful scene, and you can see that. I mean, I mean, you can hear that. Uh, you know, like I said, he's uh, he's breaking down. He just wants to make it right. He just doesn't want to think about it anymore. And all he thinks about are the bad, the calls they missed, the call they couldn't get to in time. Um. Probably a lot of cops feel that way. That they that that's probably what a lot of them think. And like you said, we we you know we see people in the worst twenty moment twenty minutes of their life. So, eh, pretty pretty powerful scene right there. But I do love that show. I'm actually in the middle of watching it now. I think I'm on season four right now. <clears throat> so anyway, I guess we get back to this. Let's go to a movie from. Or travel back to 1990. And this is a movie we've already reviewed. I believe it was like me and Anthony's third episode. We reviewed this movie. And um, this would be a Goodfellas. Now, like I said, I know we reviewed this movie. But this is such a good part. And I love I love this movie. And I actually, it was on the other day. Uh, going through Amazon, I found it, popped it on, decided to watch it. It's such a fucking great movie. Such a great movie. Robert De Niro's in this. We got Ray Liotta. We got Joe Pesci, uh, Lorraine Bracco, Frank Silvero. Um, uh, so many people in this movie. Frank Vincent is in this movie. Just, the, I mean, the, the, the list goes on. Uh, you even get uh, Martin Scorsese's father, Charles, in this. So <laughs> you get everybody in this movie right here. Uh, but yeah, this is Goodfellas. Now, the there's so many scenes we could play from Goodfellas. I mean, let's totally be honest here. There's many, many, many scenes that we could play uh, from this movie. But what I did is I took the first scene where he's just walking through and introducing everybody. It, it's just such a great scene. It's such a good opening scene. Uh, I mean, it's not exactly the opening scene. I know the opening scene is the car fire. But... You know, it's finally when he's older and he you, you just kind of go in and you're meeting the crew. And it's just such a cool scene. Seeing all these guys back in the day just hanging out, you know, doing their thing. It's really cool. So let's meet the crew from Goodfellas. There was Jimmy and Tommy and me. And there was Anthony Stabile. How you doing? Frankie Carbone. 
And then there was Mo Black's brother, Fat Andy. And his guys, Frankie the Wop. Freddie No Nose. And then there was Pete the Killer, who was Sally Balls' brother. And you had Nicky Eyes. And Mikey Franchese. And Jimmy Two Times, who got that nickname because he said everything twice, like... I'm gonna go get the papers, get the papers. Come on, lift it up. gonna be by the time you get this thing going. Come on, lift it up. For us to live any other way was nuts. Us, those goody good people who worked shitty jobs for bum paychecks and took the subway to work every day, worried about their bills, were dead. And they were suckers. They had no balls. If we wanted something, we just took it. If anyone complained twice, they got hit so bad, believe me, they never complained again. It was just all routine, and you didn't even think about it. You can never hit a number. always gonna think. Hey, Frank, 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 what the fuck does 528 have to do with 460? I can't believe this guy. 528 ain't even close to 469. What the fuck does that got to do with anyone? No, I really should be stopping this scene right now. Um, but I'm not gonna do it. Let's just keep going. I got another minute left of the scene. Let's just keep going. This is where he's talking to uh, Mike Starr, who, um, yeah, I believe talked about him i said something about him the other day or last show i can't remember uh, last show when i was talking about stan shaw i actually was talking about him too uh he was in something that that they were both in i forget what it is uh anyway let's go ahead and keep going i've been playing that number for three years hey henry piece of cake it's all there don't worry about the alarms just gotta find a way to get the key no problem right no, let me get problem. i'll take care of it Too good to be true. Uh, Big score coming from Air France. You know, like bags of money like this coming in, okay? From tourists and American servicemen who change their money around to French money, send them back here. It's beautiful, buddy. It's totally, totally undone. Yeah, you need French. You just yeah. Guys. He's a citizen. Yeah, yeah the guy's work. a piece of work. Now, if I'm right, there could be like a half a mil coming in. Mm. All cash. Mm. Yeah, and he said the best time is probably over the weekend. Oh, yeah. So maybe Saturday night. Oh, they got the Jewish holiday on Monday. They won't find out till Tuesday. Beautiful. What about the security? No. Security? <laughs> You're looking at it. <laughs> it's a joke. I'm the Midnight Day man. I'm the Commandant. <laughs> he just comes in like he's picking up lost baggies with Tommy D. It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to problem at all. Huh? We're on. All right. So that's what they're talking to Frenchie about the uh, Latanza heist that they uh, pull off. We, we do see that in the movie, and it's uh, it, it's a really <laughs> excuse me, really great movie, really great scene. Like I said, though, there's so many scenes that uh, I could play from that movie that are just an unbelievable and amazing scenes. So I think we'll leave it at that one. But uh, I mean, come on, I don't really need to tell you any more about Goodfellas. You've seen it by now. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't, where the hell have you been? But uh, yeah, definitely Goodfellas is one to check out. Um. All right, you guys knew I would do it. 
you knew it. You knew I was going to throw in at least one NYPD blue clip. So I did. I did. I didn't want to leave anybody, you know, wondering if I was going to. I went ahead and did it anyway. Um, this was a damn good show here. This, I mean, obviously I've spoke many times about NYPD Blue. I do throw these pretty much one of these in the TVs. When I can, I throw some scenes in. I usually play a little bit of uh, Dennis Franz, Andy Sipowitz, but tonight eh, I'm going to go with Bobby. I'm going to go with Jimmy Smith's instead. I'm going to go with uh, Bobby Simone. Um, this was an episode called Holly and the Blowfish. Um, obviously, you know, a play on Hootie and the Blowfish. The girl's name was Holly in this movie. Um but uh, this show, obviously, it stars Jimmy Smith, Dennis Franz, who I mentioned, Nicholas Tuturo was still in this show at the time, Gordon Clapp, uh, James McDaniel as the uh, lieutenant. But we go down, and also in this episode is uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who was in Homicide Life on the Street. Uh, he played Mike Giardello. Unbelievable show, if you've never seen that cop show. But uh, he has been in a ton, a ton of things. Things like The Practice, a uh, show called Girls Club. He was in nine episodes of that. And he's just done a ton, a ton of things. Law and Order, Trial by Jury, the regular Law and Order. He was in uh, three episodes as one character. K- K- it was in an earlier episode as another character. Um, a TV show called... Sa- this guy's been in a ton of things. But the main person I want to talk about in this show that he's going to be speaking to is Daniel Von Bargen. Yeah, name doesn't sound familiar. He was in RoboCop 3, not the greatest movie, but he was Chief Grady in Super Troopers, if you remember that movie. Uh, He was in The Postman. He was Sheriff Briscoe. He was John Tate in The Faculty. I actually like that movie. I actually really do like that movie. Um, He died March 1st, 2015, so... Uh, the last credit he has here was 2009. But, um, yeah, but this guy it was in so many things back in the 19, you know, the 80s, even I believe the 70s, I believe. Oh, my God, he goes back to Guiding Light in the in the 50s. Uh, no, it's the 70s when he started on, um, on most shows, 74, 75, 76. Um, so, but I'm going to be talking about him in this scene, or he's going to be, Bobby's going to be talking to him. Basically, this guy is the, um, he's the leader of a task force, um, and they're going after some drug dealers. Giancarlo in this show is basically a snitch for Bobby that he ran back into, um, in this, in this episode, and, um, so basically, he goes up there, and what happens is this guy, at one point, he's interviewing one of the guys that the snitch gave him, Giancarlo, and he gives him away. He tells him exactly who it was, basically, because um, this guy no knew where his drugs were by robbing him. And this guy, Daniel says, um, well, what was the exact line he said? He said, if someone robs you once or twice, you might want to think about moving where you are hiding, hiding your drugs someplace else, which gave away the snitch. Um, and he did end up getting killed at the end of the movie and th- or at the end of the show. And this is where Bobby goes back into the bar and has a little word with, uh, with this uh, little leader here. Here we go. Short scene, about a minute and a half. 
Well, no, I mean, it's true. Somebody down there is wasting the alcohol. I'm forget it. We got to talk. I've already had my Bible lesson. Let's go. So are we going to the John? I needed to do that for the last 20 minutes. Ferdinand Holly got wet out on the street. What is the ceiling for suspects? 50, 55? No, no, no. Marvin Freeland had him capped, Collins, after <sighs> you gave him up. You and me have had this little chat. I have got no tears for you, CI. I will take a piss in his honor, though, if you will vacate the line of fire. No! He was a better guy than you ever thought about being. And I am on a job with you. We'll see for how long. Well, you go ahead. You bring up two hours, Collins. You go ahead. You get your witnesses. I bet there's a whole line of guys outside waiting to stand up for you. Sorry for clearing up the place. All right, so he goes after that guy, and he, after he's done, he walks out, he puts some money on the bar, and he says at the end, sorry for clearing out the place. Classy move. Classy move. Uh, I always did like that little move he did right there. I thought that was cool. But his, the guy's whole crew left, left him in the bar. Um, they didn't really respect him, and he kind of just plays an asshole. He does end up coming back later in the series. Uh, I think season, God, let's see, it has to be season seven or eight because uh, James McDaniel leaves in season eight. So it had to be seven or eight um, where he came back. Uh, he was still doing the same thing, still an asshole. Um, so, all right. We got a few more here, not that many. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken enough about NYPD Blue. I don't need to get into it. I just thought that was a great scene. And that's a great episode. Uh, right there, it aired on uh, March twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six, and just an just an excellent excellent show, excellent scene, and there's so many um, other like there's like three hundred ninety three like you know um, what am I talking about here? Character actors that end up on this show that just are huge actors today. Some of them, I have no clue why my daughter is screaming. Anyway. We're going to move on a little bit here. Um, okay, actually, you know what? I'm going to take a quick break and find out exactly what's going on out there and why my daughter is screaming like that. So uh, give me a second. Okay, sorry about that. She did not want to go to bed. Okay, we're back here. <laughs> totally sorry about that. You lucky downloaders won't uh, won't even know I walked away for a minute. But anyway, yeah, she did not want to go to bed, so. All right, let's go ahead and jump back into this bad boy right here, then. Next movie I'm going to get into, 1994. Another absolutely incredible, incredible movie. Uh, was very popular in 1994. And um, throughout years, kind of became a very big cult classic. 
with uh, a huge following for this movie. Talking about Pulp Fiction and a Quentin Tarantino movie uh, directed, written. Uh, this movie was obviously with John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Ving Rhames, Tim Roth, just, un- I mean, Phil LeVar, as Marvin, someone shot Marvin in the face, of course. But uh, so many people in this movie. It was just, I mean, uh, who's who of actors in this movie. But this scene I'm going to play is uh, Ving Rhames and Bruce Willis. This is the scene where basically Bruce Willis rescues him and Marcellus Wallace from some pretty bad shit happening to him. They broke out the gimp, and uh, you guys know what's going to happen. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this scene. One of the best. I'm going with greatest greatest scenes. This is definitely one of them. Here we go. Okay, so if you forget this scene, Bruce Willis, he gets out, he takes out the gimp, he escapes, goes upstairs. Now, this was a little pawn shop, basically, it looked like. He goes upstairs, gets himself a weapon, and goes down there swinging. He's reluctant, but he goes back to save Marcellus Wallace. There he goes. It's a bad. Doesn't like the bad chainsaw. No. Too loud. And he finds the katana sword. Mm hmm. That'll do.
Go ahead and pick it up. Go ahead, pick it up. Come on, that up, boy. Step aside, but. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. So there we go. Another an incredible scene from an incredible movie. Like I said, it really had a a great following. I mean, you know, c critics aren't very nice to Quentin Tarantino's movies. They usually are. Sometimes they are, but most of the time they're not. Um, but this his movies have just become cult favorites with a lot of people. He's got a huge following. Um, matter of fact, I go from one Quentin Tarantino movie directly into another one because I'm even going from there and I'm going to talk about uh, Reservoir Dogs. So we go from for 1992 now. And uh, once again, another Quentin Tarantino movie, but a really another great one, which again, there's so many scenes we could play from this movie, but we've got Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth once again. Uh, we've got Michael Madsen, uh, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, who we're going to be definitely talking about in just a minute. Lawrence Turney played uh, kind of uh, Big Joe in this movie. And there were just, and even Quentin Tarantino was in this movie as Mr. Brown. And we do get the voice of uh, comedian Stephen Wright as the radio DJ in this movie. But that's either here or there. What we're going to play right now, though, is the scene... The tipping scene. That's right. We get to hear why Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink, doesn't tip. So here we go. Let's do this. Should be about a buck a piece. And you, when I come back, I want my book. Sorry, it's my book now. Hey, I changed my mind. Shoot this piece of shit with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody cough up some green for me. Come on, throw in a buck. Uh-uh, I don't tip. You don't tip? No, I don't believe in it. You don't believe in tipping? You know what these chicks make? They make shit. Don't give me that. She don't make enough money, she can quit. <laughs> I don't even know a fucking Jew would have the ball to say that. Now, let me just get this straight. You don't ever tip, huh? I don't tip because society says I have to. All right, I mean, I'll tip if somebody really deserves a tip. If they really put forth the effort, I'll give them something extra. But I mean, it's tipping automatically. It's for the birds. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're just doing their job. Hey, this girl was nice. She was okay. I mean, she wasn't anything special. What's special? Take you in the back and suck your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go over 12% for that. Look, I ordered coffee, right? Now, we've been here a long fucking time. She's only filled my cup three times. I mean, when I order coffee, I want it filled six times. Six times? Well, you know, what if she's too fucking busy? Words too fucking busy shouldn't be in a waitress's vocabulary. Excuse me, Mr. Pink, but the last fucking thing you need is another cup of coffee. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I mean, these ladies aren't starving to death. They make minimum wage. And I used to work minimum wage, and when I did, I wasn't lucky enough to have a job that society deemed tip-worthy. 
You don't care they'd count on your tips to live? You know what this is? It's the world's smallest violin playing just for the waitresses. You don't have any idea what you're talking about. These people bust their ass. This is a hard job. So is working at McDonald's, but you don't feel the need to tip them, do you? Well, why not? They're serving you food. But no, society says, don't tip these guys over here, but tip these guys over here. That's bullshit. Waitressing is the number one occupation for female non-college graduates in this country. It's the one job basically any woman can get and make a living on. The reason is because of their tips. Fuck all that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm very sorry the government taxes their tips. That's fucked up. That ain't my fault. I mean, it would appear that waitresses are one of the many groups the government fucks in the ass on a regular basis. I mean, if you show me a piece of paper that says the government shouldn't do that, I'll sign it. Put it to a vote, I'll vote for it. But what I won't do is play ball. And this non-college bullshit you're giving me, I got two words for that. Learn to fucking type. Because if you're expecting me to help out with the rent, you're in for a big fucking surprise. Just convince me. Give me my dollar back. Hey. Leave the dollars there. All right, ramblers, let's get rambling. Wait a minute. Who didn't throw in? Mr. Pink. Mr. Pink. Why not? You don't tip. You don't tip? What do you mean you don't tip? You don't believe in it. Shut up. What do you mean you don't believe in it? Come on, you. Cough up a bucket, cheap bastard. I paid for your goddamn breakfast. All right, since you pay for the breakfast, I'll put in. But normally, I would never do this. Never mind what you normally would do. Just cough in your goddamn buck like everybody else. Thank you. Daddy All right, hold on. All right. Now, there's some, I mean, it, you got to think about some of the names at that table. I mean, really. There, there, there's some big names at that table. You got Harvey Keitel. You got Timothy Roth or Tim Roth. Michael Madsen's at that table. Quentin Tarantino's at that table. Chris Penn, the late Chris Penn, is at that table. Steve Buscemi, that is a big that's a big name table right there. There's some big actors at that table. And I mean, just an, a, one of the many incredible scenes from the movie Reservoir Dogs. Um, you got to love that movie. It's such a great movie, such a great written movie, the way it's and the way it's shot. Pretty much everything about this movie is great. But the actors and the acting in uh, in the movie is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So um, anyway. We can go ahead and uh, jump out of Quentin Tarantino movies and back to a television show. Right back to one television show that we're going to be talking about. Um, this show ran from 1990 to 1996. And this episode actually aired May 9th, 1994. Now, this is, um, like I said, I do play Greatest Scenes a lot. But when I do these, I also think about some of the acting in the scenes, and this here is the episode, uh, it's called Papa's Got a Brand New Excuse. This is the episode where Will Smith is down there, and uh, his dad stops by, and he hasn't seen him in a lot of years, and he makes a promise to him, and they were going to go, they were going to do this, they were going to do that, and it doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> hence the name Papa's Got a Brand New Excuse. Now, the father is played by Ben Vereen. You're going to hear his voice in there. And, of course, uh, James Avery uh, as uh, Mr. Philip Banks, Uncle Phil, in this show was incredible. Um, 
So really, those are the only three voices you're going to hear is Will Smith. Uh, but the acting, the acting by Will Smith, and you got to think about how young he was when he was doing this show, but the acting by Will Smith in this scene is absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, it, it was so powerful. If you ever really watch this scene, it actually brings James Avery to like to tears, how powerful and how good Will Smith was in this scene right here. So we're going to go ahead and knock this scene out right now. And um, oop, let me get rid of this one. And uh, here we go. Daddy-o! What's up? Will, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, some business came up I gotta handle. So we're gonna have to put a, our trip on hold. You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, cool. that's cool. Just, just for a couple of weeks. Mm, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details, okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too, Lou. Yeah, um... I'm sorry, Will. <laughs> you know what, actually, this works out better for me. You know, the Slimmies of Summer come to class wearing next to nothing, you know what I'm Will, saying? Will, it's all right to be angry. Hey, well, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I'm sorry. I, you know, if there was something that I hey, could Hey, you do... know what? You ain't got to do no, nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it, too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Got through my first date without him, right? Mm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14! Great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Die out with him! I ain't need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Will. Nah, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm gonna get through college without him. I'm gonna get a great job without him. I'm gonna marry me a beautiful honey. And I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm gonna be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that. Because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? Man, such a great scene. Such an incredible, incredible scene right there. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. I'm tearing up a little bit myself after watching that scene. Just incredible acting by Will Smith there. He's just, I mean, like I said, I mean, we know what he can do. We've seen many, you know, the dramas and all that stuff with Will Smith in it. But once again, like I said in, before I played the clip, think about how young he was when he was doing uh, you know, Fresh Prince in 1990, uh, when did I say that it was 1994 when that, uh, when that episode came out, let me double check that 1994 and how young he was still. And just absolutely the, the fucking acting chops on that guy at this point were unbelievable because that scene right there was just un, uh, I mean, unreal, just incredible. Um, great scene and a good show. And I know there's a remake, uh, or a reboot they call him now a reboot of this show on right now. I got to be honest, I haven't checked it out. I have a very bad habit of not watching TV shows until they end, and then I binge watch them. Um, Flashpoint is one of them we talked about earlier. So, but uh, just 
I mean, if you've probably seen episodes of this show before, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, such a good show. And that scene right there, though, will uh, should should tear your heart out a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. Um, got another movie here that's, a, that's uh, one of my favorites. Um, oh, crap. I don't know why I uh, didn't actually pull up the movie, but uh, I will do that real quick. Um, so I can get the year. It's a 1992 film. It's got Lawrence Fishburne, Jeff Goldblum, who I've been told I look like, and Charles Martin Smith, Clarence Williams III is also in this movie. Um, so there's a lot of actors in this movie, but uh, Lawrence Fishburne is uh, one of the voices we're going to hear, and we're going to hear also Charles Martin Smith, who been in a ton of things if you ever saw the untouchables he was the accountant oscar he did get killed in that movie but um he's done a decent amount of things um 89 things to be exact but he's been in i mean he was in the the tv series psych he was in leverage for an episode um but he's one of those guys that pops up who you know you're like oh okay i know who he is um and he's done some voice stuff too for some video games, but, um, been in the X-Files and, uh, but most probably people would know him if you've ever seen the movie, the untouchables with Kevin Costner and Sean Connery, that's probably the movie. He was the accountant, uh, Oscar Wallace in that film. So that you're going to hear him talking. The voice might tip you off exactly who he is. Um, so, but you're going to hear Lawrence Fishburne and you're going to hear him um, but this scene and this movie here, basically Lawrence Fishburne goes undercover uh, as a drug dealer to catch drug dealers. He's trying to move up to this guy. Uh, Gallegos was his name. And they're tr- he's like the head guy. But there's someone above him who they actually end up getting. But this is a crazy film. Lawrence Fishburne gets, as the movie is named, deep cover. He gets deep undercover. Uh, to the point where, I mean, you'll hear him even say that, you know, he doesn't even feel like a uh, a cop playing a drug dealer. He feels like a drug dealer playing a cop. So he gets, it's it, but I mean, at, at one point he's down there and I mean, Jeff Goldblum starts killing people. and It's a crazy movie. If you've never seen this movie, really, really seek it out and watch it deep cover. It is a very, very good movie. So let's go ahead, though. I'm going to play this scene right here. Um, this is kind of where, uh, I mean, he it, it, Lawrence Fishburne goes so deep undercover, he's killing other drug dealers um, to keep his cover. And th- they find out about a lot of shit going on, and basically they're trying to get him out of what he's doing. They're trying to pull him out. And this is the scene right here, three-minute scene. Is if I can get something from you. We'll start with this. Ripped out his earring. I'd done it. I'd gotten to Gallegos, the number two man on Jerry's pyramid. Where you been, man? Look, I met with Gallegos today. Now, we can take him down tomorrow. Get your ass in this car. You're coming in right now. I'm coming in where? You know what the fuck I'm talking about. Your assignment is terminated. You violated a direct order to stay away from that bust. As a result, a police informant is dead. That's not Two my fault. Two officers were injured in that tunnel, and a vice cop was subsequently murdered. I didn't blow my cover. Don't you get smart with me, you son of a bitch! 
You want to bring Gallegos to trial? I got him. Who gives a shit how I did it? Give me your gun. What the fuck is wrong with you? What are you doing? You are not going back out there. If I have to, I'm going to put you in custody. Now give me your fucking gun. You're protecting him, right? You're protecting Gallegos. This motherfucker. What is he, the new Noriega? He helps you fight communists. You let him bring drugs into the country to sell it to niggas and spicks, and you use me to do that shit? Look, you violated orders, so you're finished. Don't try to make a fucking conspiracy theory out of it. Just give me the goddamn gun. Give it to me. Ah! Talk to me, man. Ah! What the fuck are you doing? You tell me what the fuck is going oh, on. It's not me. It's the State Department. Shit. Ah! You remember the uncle? Remember the uncle Hector Guzman? Well, things have changed. We like him now. We want him to run for president down there someday. Ah! Jerry, I sold drugs. I watched people die and I didn't do nothing. I killed people. You lied to me! They lied to me, John! How naive can you get, man? What, what are you so stupid you can't see that? You think I like this? Huh? John, I'm sorry, huh? It's all shit, you know? It's all bullshit. You know that. I know that. What am I gonna do now? Hey, you know, they're bringing me to Washington. Come along with me, man. We'll go to Washington. We'll have a budget, huh? We'll have some clout. We'll I have didn't some... get into this for that. Well, neither did I. But that's all there is. If the fucking spoils of war, you might as well enjoy it. Well, if that's all there is, I've been wasting my motherfucking time with you. I can get more clout and more money on the street than I can get following your ass to Washington. <laughs> know what this whole fucking time? I'm a cop pretending to be a drug dealer. I ain't nothing but a drug dealer pretending to be a cop. I think I said that backwards. Oh. I ain't gonna pretend no more, Jerry. I quit. It's not that simple. You don't think so? You watch me. I quit. It's not that simple, John. My first drink, Jer. Shit ain't bad. All right. Incredible. I mean, a, a great movie. You can see how twisted this movie really gets. Um, they lie to him like he'd said. He was selling drugs. He was killing people. He was doing everything he could to keep his cover. And he saw people die in front of him and everything. Um, pretty crazy shit uh, in this movie. He does end up getting his man. He doesn't do it very good. And, but uh, he does end up doing it. Um, but it's a really, 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 really good movie. If you've never seen that movie, seek that one out also. And check that one out. So, all right, we got two more here. Um, I'm going back to the 80s again. One more time. I got to do it. I'm going back to the 80s. I'm going to 1984. And I'm going with Ghostbusters. Uh, we all know what the original Ghostbusters is about. There's been a bunch of different uh, takeoffs of it or even uh, re reboots of it. Um, I heard this latest one was actually good. I believe that's uh, Afterlife. Um, and you know, I, I also want to talk about this because I believe last week, uh, or even early this week, uh, Ivan Reitman did pass away. So we, we, we lost a big one there. Uh, so many great movies, uh, with Ivan Reitman here. Um, 
let's see. Actually, it was. It was February 12th, so it was actually just uh, just a few days ago here. Um, but, I mean, some of them, I mean, Ghostbusters, obviously, Heavy Metal, uh, the ridiculous <coughs> Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty movie, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Don't forget that bad boy. Um, but um, <laughs> incredible. Uh, he was behind Stripes. Um, I mean, we can just keep going from movies to movies to movies to movies to movies. The Animal House, uh, Stripes, um, Big Shots, Feds, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Beethoven, uh, Junior, uh, Private Parts, and the Howard Stern movie. That was a, a pretty big one for him there. Many movies have been big ones for him. Um, Road Trip, uh, Old School, Ivan Reitman movie, so many movies, even Draft Day. Uh, he was a producer on Draft Day, which uh, was the kind of the, the which was the comeback for this show that I did with uh, Cheese Man and Smark. Uh, it was a good time. That was a a, a good time right there. But um, he was even the producer on Ghostbusters Afterlife, the 2000 uh, from last year. So, and the Space Jam movie. So, st- was still doing movies. But um, I'm going to be talking about Ghostbusters, and I did want to definitely mention Ivan Reitman, and just uh, we lost a big, big personality there, and uh, Ivan Reitman, a very, very talented director and producer. So, anyway, let's uh, keep rolling here. This movie here. Ghostbusters, we've got Bill Murray, we've got Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramos, the late great, Richard Moranis, I kind of miss him being around and acting, um, Annie Potts, and the the evil man in the movie, the politician, the evil William Atherton, who plays, I believe, uh, Peck, I believe is his name in this movie, let's see, uh, Walter Peck. Um, the scene I picked from this movie, though, is where they're in the mayor's office and they're tra- trying to explain stuff to him. And um, it's almost four-minute-long clip, but it's one of the greater clips of the movie. And it's a great clip from anything. Bill Murray is just himself in this clip, just hilarious as usual. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and even waste any more of your time. Let's do this. And by the way, I forgot to mention Ernie Hudson is also in this movie and in this scene. Let's do this. We got a city blowing up, and you guys are not giving me. I was locking the bridges, the roads, yes, yes. The Ghostbusters are here, Mr. Mayor. The Ghostbusters, okay, the Ghostbusters. Hey, where's this Peck? Hey, I am Walter Peck, sir, and I'm prepared to make a full report. These men are consummate snowball artists. They use sense and nerve gases to induce hallucinations. People think they're seeing ghosts. And they call these bozos who conveniently show up to deal with the problem with the fake electronic light show. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by this here. They caused an explosion. Oh, another editor. Dickless, he said. Yes, it's true. This man has no This man has no dick. God damn it. Well, that's what I heard. This city hall. Now, what am I going to do here, John? What is this? All I know is that was no light show we saw this morning. I've seen every form of combustion known to man. But this beats the hell out of me. The walls in the 53rd precinct were bleeding. How do you explain that? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Oh, your eminence. 
How are you, Letty? You're looking good, Mike. We're in a real fix here. What do you think I should do? Lenny, officially, the church will not take any position on the religious implications of these uh, phenomena. Hmm. Personally, Lenny, I think it's a sign from God. But don't quote me on that. No, I think that's a smart move, Mike. Well, I'm not going to call a press conference and tell everyone to start praying. <clears throat> oh. I'm uh, Winston Zettimore, Yana. I've only been with the company for a couple of weeks, but I gotta tell you, these things are real. Since I joined these men, I have seen that'll turn you white. <laughs> well, you could believe, Mr. Pecker. My name is Peck. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What uh, he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Enough, <laughs> I get the point. <laughs> what if you're wrong? If I'm wrong, nothing happens. We go to jail peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if I'm right, and we can stop this thing. Lenny, you will have saved the lives. I don't believe you're seriously considering listening to these men. Get him out of here. Bye. I'll fix you, Venkman. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to get you a nice fruit basket. I'm going to miss him. All right. All right. We got work to do. Now, what do you need from me? Oh. Such a great scene. I can't believe I got another edited scene. I guess I need to really listen to the whole scene. I just make sure the sound is good. I guess I'm from now on I need to listen to the whole scene before I uh, I get these put out. I apologize for that one also. Um, but yeah, what a great movie right there, Ghostbusters. And that mayor is played by uh, David Margulis, um, who has, I mean, he was in Ghostbusters 2. Also is the same thing. He was the doctor in uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. He's been in Law and Order SVU. He's been in a ton of stuff. Um, he passed away on January 11, 2016. So, but uh, Ghostbusters is such a good movie, and obviously the, um, just the whole uh, franchise itself has been so big with merchandise and everything else uh, that they just keep get growing it and growing it. Um, and obviously that's uh, that's not um accidental it's definitely by design because it sells and it's just a huge huge little merchandise thing and people love the movies and uh it's incredible to see them they they're going i mean when you think about it, this first movie goes all the way back to 1984 and here we are in 2022 and there's still ghostbusters movies coming out <laughs> and a tv show uh that um it looks like it's coming out too about uh about um Ecto something. It was uh, on there on the Ivan Reitman page, the IMDb page. So still coming out with those. Now, I feel it's only end uh, a good way to end a perfect ending to this show by going with a scene from The Sopranos. And I'm actually going to go with the final scene from The Sopranos. You know, it's a big scene that, um, you know, you got James Gandolfini, you got Edie Falco, Robert Iller, uh, who was the son, um, uh, Jamie Lynn Singler, who was the daughter, Autumn. And you've got all those characters right there at the table. 
And it's a very controversial scene. Some people, most people hated it. I actually liked it. It actually left a lot open. They, I mean, obviously we didn't know we were going to lose James Gandolfini so soon. Um, I mean, he was 51 years old. No one thought that, you know, he was going to pass away. And um, he did in 2013, actually in Italy. Uh, But um, absolutely, you know, an incredible actor. And obviously he was most known for uh, this role right here. But he'd been in so many more. Um, movies. He was in the Fallen with Denzel Washington. That's, an, that's such a good movie. If you've never seen that one, that is a crazy little movie. So if you've never seen that, uh, you need to check that out. I love the movie, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. I know it's not that great one, but uh, it it it. I like the movie. I I like magic. So what are you gonna do? Um, but. Um, and like I said, you've got Edie Falco, who's, oh my God, she's been in so many things for so many, uh, 30 Rock, she was in American Crime Story the t- t- last year, um, she played Hillary Clinton, actually, <laughs> she was in the TV series Tommy from 2020, she still does stuff, and she was uh, even in uh, the Law and Order True Crime, the little uh, TV miniseries that was on the Mendez murders, uh, she was in all eight episodes of that too. So she's done a ton of things, and, I mean, it just keeps going back and back and act. She was in Oz, which is actually kind of one of the things I really remember her from. She was the uh, the female uh, guard in the Oz TV show. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and play that final scene real quick, and then we're going to wrap this up. So uh, let's go ahead and do it. The uh, Almost five minutes, four, four minutes, 40 seconds. It's going to go quick. Here we go. sitting there looking through the jukebox. I'm going to have to explain some stuff here. Cook's back there looking through the jukebox. Looking for the family. Little journey, don't stop believing. See the songs he's picking out? I Gotta Be Me, Tony Bennett. Keeps flipping through. Puts a little journey on. Oh, yeah. Here comes Edie Falco. Oh, yeah. It's just this my town, girl. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does it better. Perry. Steve fucking Perry. What looks good tonight? I don't know. He just called. He's on his way. Med's coming separately. She had to go to the doctor. Switch birth control. Just what a father loves hearing. <laughs> a singer 
talk to Mink again? It's Carlo. He's gonna testify. Here comes his son. And the menu. Onion rings. Special estate, as far as I'm concerned. And we've got a guy looking at him over there, looking at Tony. Here comes his daughter backing up. Guy at the bar is still looking at Tony. How's work today? All I'm doing is getting coffee and placing English phone calls. You may not realize it, but you are making contacts. It's an entry level job. Buck up. Right. Focus on the good times. Don't be sarcastic. Isn't that what you said one time? Try and remember the times that were good? I did? Yeah. Well, it's true, I guess. Still trying to park. I want to head north and jump for the tape. I ordered something for the tape. That was it. And it ended right there. So you never knew what happened. And it just, it just ended. Um, like I said, it was pretty controversial. This, uh, some people enjoyed it. I mean, the music was great. I love Journey. Um, but uh, some people liked it. Some people hated it. I liked it. I thought it was great. And like I said, I thought they left it very open. Like I said, no one expected James Gandolfini at 51 years old to pass away like that. I mean, it was kind of out of nowhere. So, you know, I think they were expecting to do more. I know they tried to do kind of that prequel. I heard that was not good. So, you know, and I'll tell you the truth. I've never watched this whole series, like back to back to back to back, binge watched it. But I definitely need to. And it's on my watch list to do. Um, so, I mean, we've got IMDb. Uh, on the TV, so we do get, I I mean, it's on my watch list right here, actually, it's highlighted, so I do need to watch that, but um, I enjoyed that ending scene, I thought it was great, like I said, I think they were expecting to do more with it, uh, maybe do a movie, maybe this, maybe even bring, you know, find out what happened to him, but we're never going to know that at this point, um, but I just thought that was a good scene 
to go ahead and end on right there. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Like I said, I had meant to do Boomerang. Completely forgot I had a fishing thing with my kid today. Um, Was gone all day. All day. I was gone pretty much 12 hours today. Um, So uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But like I said, I wanted to at least do something um, tonight. And uh, this was pretty good. I had a good time doing this. Uh, These are pretty, this was easy for me. I got, I think of these scenes all the time and every now and then I just throw them on my little notes on my phone. So I was just kind of able to go and pick out some scenes because I love doing these little shows where I just get to play scenes and talk about them. I get to talk about a ton of actors during it, actors I've talked about, actors I haven't talked about. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't have been able to talk about Ivan Reitman if I didn't pull up Ghostbusters. So uh, it all worked out pretty good there. Uh, but anyway, I appreciate everybody coming on in and uh, listening. I appreciate anybody who's going to download the show. And don't forget to catch me and Smark out here, uh, right here on this mixer.com slash dirt sheet dudes. You can catch us uh, Wednesday night at around 10 15 p.m. Eastern Time, right after AEW. Give us about 10 15 minutes to get ready, get set, let Skype warm up, and uh, come on in here. So uh, we will be back then. And uh, I will be back here uh, next week. And like I said, I'll do Boomerang next week. I just didn't get a chance to do it, so I apologize. And uh, we will still get it done. All right, folks. On that note, see ya!